0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Dr. Kelly Pence currently serves as Associate Director of Bands for Broken Arrow Public Schools and has taught in the district since 2008. Dr. Pence is the conductor of the Broken Arrow High School Symphonic Band 1 and Concert Band 1, Assistant Director of the Pride of Broken Arrow Marching Band, and Instructor of AP Music Theory. Dr. Pence's ensembles have received consistent OSSAA Sweepstakes awards for excellence on the concert stage and marching field. Her symphonic band was selected to perform as an honor ensemble at the Oklahoma Music Educators Association annual conference in January 2016 and January 2020. Symphonic Band One was also selected as a featured ensemble for the 2020 Music for All National Concert Band Festival. Dr. Pence earned her Bachelor of Music Education and Bachelor of Music Performance degrees from Bowling Green State University, a Master of Music Performance degree from Northwestern University, and a doctorate of music performance in saxophone with an emphasis in wind conducting from Northwestern University. It is a real treat to have Dr. Kelly Pence on our podcast this week. It is my distinct honor and privilege to welcome the Associate Director of Bands for the Broken Arrow High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Dr. Kelly Pence, to our podcast this week. Kelly, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So, Kelly, um, you, the the reputation of your school, whenever I talk to music educators around the country, I just have to say the words broken arrow and everyone immediately looks up and says, oh, um, so, you know, it's you and and uh, Darren have built, obviously, an incredible program there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, kind of give us an overview of, of, of how long you've been there, what what the program looks like, the different facets of it. I I was so impressed when I came out to visit you a couple of years ago, just with the facility, the number of kids, just the the football stadium, everything. So If you can give us an overview, that'd be fantastic.
1: Okay, well, I'm starting my 13th year here at Broken Arrow, and um, we are so fortunate. We have tremendous support from our parents, from our administration, and from our community. I think that's maybe what sets us apart is that this community is definitely behind its band program. And, you know, I have friends across the country who are struggling to keep their programs alive because of budget cuts and funding and, and whatnot. That would never happen here. Uh, this, awesome. this community would never allow for the band program or the music program in general to be cut. So we're, we're incredibly fortunate with that. Our structure is um, it's not just me and Darren. There's a whole team, of 12 band directors at our school. Oh my goodness. And um, we have five middle schools that feed into our freshman academy and each middle school has a dedicated director and then we have one floater who goes between middle schools to help and, um, and do that. We have two band directors at the freshman academy who also go to middle schools to help. And then we have three band directors at the high school, plus one full-time percussion specialist that goes throughout the district. And all of those faculty are certified teachers hired by the district. So again, incredible support just from the the school district and the administration to have the staffing that we have. Of course, just like everybody else, we could always use more, but um, we are fortunate with what we have throughout this.
0: Wow. So is the freshman center a separate building or is it part of the high school?
1: Oh, it's a separate building. Uh, we used to, we went to that uh, about five years ago. We went to a freshman academy that is across town and then the high school is 10 through 12. Prior to that, we had two ninth and 10th grade centers that fed into then the high school, which was only 11 and 12 at that time. So that was a big change for us. Oh my
0: goodness. And so uh, what, what programs or what ensembles are at, uh, at your high school?
1: At the high school, at the 10 through 12, we have five concert bands that meet every single day. We have a jazz band that meets every single day, and then we have a jazz band that meets after school, second semester only. And then embedded throughout those ensembles, we also have, chamber ensembles. We have a chamber concert coming up next week that we do. And of course, solo and ensemble and honor bands and all-state, and all of that stuff comes throughout that. We also do marching band, of course, and indoor percussion ensemble. And um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but it seems like we have everything going on around here.
0: All right. So I have to ask because I'm an East Coaster. I'm a New Yorker my whole life, but I spent my teaching career in New Jersey. I think what you just said will will stun uh, quite a few of our listeners in terms of, did you say five concert bands in, in, a, in three grade levels? Yes. And so how, are, how does that work? I mean, is it talent-based? Is it age-based? Do kids audition to get into them?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an audition every year. And so it's five concert bands, all performance-based, ability-based. And then at the Freshman Academy, there are three concert bands that are arranged by ability.
0: And so are, are those five concert bands taught by, uh, is that three directors at the 10th through 12th grade or two directors split the five concert bands?
1: It's three of us that split it um, with, like, I I personally front two of those bands.
0: Oh, my good! I mean,
1: I assist with the others.
0: I, I You probably don't have the, the same kind of perspective that I do coming from, I mean, if, you know, most high school bands, if they have two bands, uh, are, are thrilled. Uh, you know, having a like a tenth through twelfth grade band or, or a concert band and a wind ensemble. And so, are they? How are those bands? Are they called different names? I'm just fascinated with the uh, the level.
1: Yeah, that was that was something that was difficult when we became a tenth through twelve. Is what do you call them? So the top group is the wind ensemble, and then we have a symphonic band one uh symphonic band two concert band one concert band two so those are our five ensembles and I'll, i'm gonna brag on the symphonic band one for a second um, which is our second band is performing at the state convention this january and also was selected to perform as a featured ensemble at the music for all national concert band festival in march so we'll oh be-
0: wow very cool
1: yeah, as a second band so that's one of my bands so i'm a little proud and oh you fun. should
0: be a <laughs> second band uh, getting kind of those uh, distinctions—that's pretty amazing. And so, um, just to get the other side of the of the music program at your high school, uh, I would imagine that—is the, there a choral program and an and, a, and an orchestral program?
1: Yes, yes, um, we do have a, a choir. Um, that I can't even—I should know this, but I don't know how many choirs they have that meet a day. I know they have uh, two show choirs up at the high school, plus women's chorus and all all sorts of men's chorus and. A um, bunch of different choirs and how they organize it, and then we have two orchestras um, at the ten through twelve center, and then two orchestras at the Freshman Academy.
0: Oh my goodness, these are these are numbers that just make I'm I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm smiling. It's just um, it, to us on the East Coast, especially in the new in the New York City metro area, these are just numbers that you know, in terms of the the, the robustness of your program that we that I personally could only dream of. Um, and then on top of all of, of those programs, you've got, you know, the, the, probably one of the most famous marching band programs in the country, if not the world. So what what are, do those, uh, the graded bands, are? did they audition to get into marching band? Is it everybody? Tell us about your marching band program.
1: Yeah, so the marching band, and a lot of people don't believe us when we say this, but the marching band is 100% extracurricular. It is outside of the school day. Um, we do not. Rehearse marching band during the school day, um, mostly because we're, you know, we were spread over three campuses. Now we're spread over two different campuses. We can't all get together um, to rehearse. Plus, we have students who are not in the marching band. So, we have an audition only competitive marching band that we audition for in May of each year. And um, those students are spread across the freshman academy and the five bands at this site. And then we have what we call a tradition marching band which meets for parades and home football games. So at a home football game, it's almost like a college. There'll be about 400 of us in the stands to play at a home football game.
0: 400? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just extraordinary. 400 for home, and this are tradi- when you say tradition marching band, is it fair to say that this is, that's the non-competing group? This is the one that's just there to support the teams and to, and to support the community?
1: Well, yes and no. It it combines the competitive group with the non-competitive group together, and that creates what we call the tradition. And it does more like a college pregame show, right? Uh, that type of thing. And then it's all of us combined together in the stands.
0: For- that is a lot of kids playing. And so, I mean, how many staff do you have just, I mean, even uh, keeping track of these kids on a game day like that?
1: Well, it's it's the six high school directors. Okay. We'll, we'll be there at a game day um, to help manage and, and do all of that. But luckily, again, the parents, you know, we have tons of parents that help out and help out supervision in the stands and, and do all of those things for the kids and take care of them when they need help. So Yeah,
0: because I would imagine your, your, I don't know if you call them a booster organization, we would call them band parents uh, on this side. Um, you know, they, they must be incredibly involved because, you know, obviously your competitive band, how many march in the competitive band?
1: It's right about 300. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> so the, just the logistics of travel and getting yes. the buses and all that. I mean, it's it's almost like a full-time occupation just to, to arrange the logistics of the program. Is that fair to say?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, we, we say it all the time that our structure and, and our flow chart of organization would rival a, you know, a Fortune 500 company um, of what we've got going on. And the, the parent organization is second to none. They, they do so much that we would not be able to function without them for sure.
0: I can imagine. I mean, how many, how many trips or, you know, I, it, obviously the competitions you're doing are not like what we do here, where, you know, the New York, uh, you know, when I was in high school marching band, it was the football season, and every every game was the, the home team's marching band would play for 15 minutes or 10 minutes in the halftime show, and then the visiting team would play for 10 minutes, and that was the end of it, and the rest of it, you were a pep band. Um, obviously, the competitive marching circuit is, uh, and especially the one you guys are in, um, is a much bigger type kind of thing. How many trips a year do you guys do?
1: Uh, it depends on the year. This year we went to Orlando. So that was, we flew to Orlando, that was two charter planes, and we had two semis and a box truck that drove to meet us there. Um, so there was a lot, yeah, a lot behind that. We also went to St. Louis, um, which we took charter buses up to St. Louis for that BOA Super Regional in St. Louis, and then um, everything else was just closer to home, aside from those two two big shows. And next year, we've just been invited to the 2021 Rose Parade, which will be our fourth Rose Parade.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So that's a big, big trip for us.
0: I'm sure the kids will love that. That's that's fantastic. Um, So and now, how did you how did you guys do this year for our listeners that don't know? Uh, Is the big competition coming up or do you just did you already did you already finish that?
1: We uh, chose this year not to go to Grand Nationals, which is this weekend um, for Broken or Bands of America. Mm-hmm. We we went to the Bands of America Regional in Orlando, and we're fortunate to uh, to come out on top there. And then the St. Louis Super Regional as well. And then we just won our eighteenth consecutive state championship a couple weekends ago. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, uh, Kelly, when I came to visit your high school, first of all, my jaw was on the floor the entire time. But when I went into the main band hall and just saw trophies, and not like little trophies, oh, you did a county thing and, and you won. I mean, these are gigantic kind of national trophies, just an extraordinary tradition that you've built there. I mean, the kids are so incredibly lucky oh, uh, to be a part of that. I'm sure that you know, I again I, I taught my whole career in New Jersey and to get a hundred kids marching uh it, you know at a high school is is pretty difficult to do because of all the extracurricular. You know, these kids are pulled in so many different directions. They've got, you know, fencing, they've got dance class, they're involved in theater. So to try to get a hundred kids marching is is virtually impossible. And and there you have three hundred and you're going all around the country winning every trophy. I just, uh, my hat's off to you, and I'm sure that everyone else listening, if you go on to, uh, I was watching earlier today, I uh, went on um, uh, YouTube and looked up uh, some videos of your show this year. Absolutely extraordinary. The musicianship is of the highest quality. These kids are moving at, at like 40 miles an hour and making incredible music. Uh, the, everything about your show this year was extraordinary to watch. My hat's off to you, and I urge every every listener uh, to just go and Google Broken Arrow High School Band and just watch what comes up. So well, you know, you. I I have a celebrity on the other end of this uh no. today. I'm really, I'm so excited to have you. Uh, wow. So fantastic program. And, you know, the way that we came into contact with you is a couple of years ago, I believe you guys went to the Conselmer Institute and may have seen um, some of the stuff that Dr. Keith Dye was showing, but I'd love to know how uh, technology fits into such an incredibly, what many would seem as like a, the most traditional and analog of programs. You're out there marching. How does technology fit in and why did you uh, consider integrating it?
1: Well, to be honest with you, we kind of went kicking and screaming into the technology and fortunately for us, you took the time to come here and, and show it to us. Right. And, and that was invaluable for us because we had played around with it before that and done a little bit of stuff with it. But um, it was when you came and actually showed it to us that we were like, okay, we have to do this. We have to do it for our students um, just to help them as individual players more than anything. And so, you know, I'll, I'll admit it, we did not want to do it at first, but we are very, very glad that we have. And we've seen a difference in our students for sure.
0: That, well, that's awesome to hear. And the, uh, a lot of people are resistant to technology, you know, in the music is a really interesting field in that it is, it, it, you know, to me, if you've got a tuba in your face, what, what, what the heck is an app doing there? You know, you have, to, you have to play. It is the most analog of skills. It's like dance. It's like, you know, it's so many other parts of the arts. Um, and, and so a lot of, um, band directors, music teachers who they might consider technology to be like a needless or frivolous or kind of something that might get in the way, but with a program, the size of yours, I would, I would imagine that the technology, uh, or maybe the thing that said, Oh, all right, let's give this a shot. is just hopefully, you know, the definition of technology to me is something that makes your job easier. I mean, with that many kids, I, don't, I have no idea how you would do assessment, how you would do, uh, you know. Uh, you know playing tests uh, just an an extraordinary I mean if you have 300 in your marching band and you've got five I would imagine that you're dealing with with a couple hundred more that are in the program yes yeah so I mean why don't you tell us a little bit about how you're you're using music first I'd love to hear it
1: well actually we we aren't using it so much with the marching band as we're using it with our our concert band classes.
0: Right. Got it.
1: So that's what we found. And it did allow us to hold the students more accountable every week that you couldn't do in a class time. We couldn't hear them play individually on everything in this, you know, small 49 minute class that we have and get through all of those students and still, you know, rehearse the ensemble. So that was kind of getting missed and left. And we, we discovered, okay, we can just create these sight reading assignments we can create these playing tests and hold them accountable every single week you know so multiple assignments and we started doing that with our band classes and that that's just been great i mean you know of course we went kicking and screaming the kids kind of went kicking and screaming too um but everybody's into it now it's just something that we do it's part of our assignments it's part of our culture that we've created and it didn't take long for that to happen and so um so it's, it's been very successful for us, especially the sight reading.
0: And so are you using Sight Reading Factory and Practice First or, or just Practice First?
1: Yes, Sight Reading Factory and Practice First.
0: Yeah, so the, those kids are getting pure sight reading and you're giving them, is it weekly assignments or?
1: Yes, yes. So we usually give them uh, one sight reading assignment every week and then one Practice First assignment every week.
0: And so from a Practice First perspective, I would imagine that you're creating custom content for them or are you using, you know, some of the, there's not, obviously, there's not a ton of content in Practice First. You know, when we, we spoke to music teachers, band directors specifically and said, you know, in an assessment product, if we were to rethink it and make a new one, what would you want? They basically said, look, we don't want to pay for all the content. If we're not going to use it, we'd like to make our own. And, and, you know, for some that's like a no way that's a bridge too far. So are you creating your own content for those kids to assess? Uh,
1: we have done that. We have done a little bit about of that. Um, but I'm not the fastest person with Finale or Sibelius, so that is time-consuming for me. Yep. Um, so what we do is, with our younger bands, with like band four and five, we're using, we, we purchased the Foundations book. All right. And so we're doing a lot of assessment on scales and that's just, that's a super easy way to do scale tests Yep. Um, throughout all that. So that's become very convenient for that with pretty much band four and five are doing a lot of that. The top three bands are doing more of, um, I don't, I guess it's not, is it not practice first? It's where they can just record an audio.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. They can, uh, that, that, that comes with the music first classroom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we will, we'll either, like right now, we just did our first round for all state. So those kids, we would assign, hey, play your first etude, and then of course we have to go listen to it. But you know, just record your first etude for you know this assignment, or record the second etude that you have to play for your all state for this assignment. And then I think you also have our all state scales loaded in to yes, yeah. So we can assign those, and those can be graded, and that's convenient. And so we just do a lot of that. And then as we're getting, you know. We do concert band year round here, but as we're really, you know, getting in and digging into, you know, as I prepare for music for all, or as I prepare for the uh, state convention, we'll assign, Hey, in this piece measure, you know, clarinets measure 27 to 32. You need to record that and play that on your playing test.
0: Got it. So
1: we'll just create little playing tests that way, rather than putting the content in. If somebody's really fast at Sibelius or Finale, I, I'd be doing that all the time. Cause then it would grade it for me.
0: Yeah, you know what you know what a lot of teachers do because um, the notation engine behind Practice First is actually MuseScore, mm-hmm. um, and so people are finding a ton of stuff. You know, MuseScore is a, a great alternative, a free alternative to Finale and Sibelius. So people are, uh, some of them have their students go and they create, uh, you know, they'll go and create some of the music, you know, little snippets of it uh, for the students to assess. So. Uh, yeah, definitely check out MuseScore or MuseScore.com where there's a ton of uh, content that's already there. Uh, obviously, copyright notwithstanding, there's there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff on there that shouldn't be, uh, but the public domain uh, selection, you know, you can find any Sousa March. Uh, there, there is a lot of legal stuff on there. Let me make yeah. that very clear. Um, yeah, so in, in terms of... Um, uh, the, if I can go back to the music program for a second, because I think... I'll, what, what a lot of um, uh, of us on the East Coast and, the, and the, you know, the, the, we do a lot of um, what I would call comprehensive musicianship, which means that the kids in uh, band programs would also be doing music theory and music and, and ear training and possibly even a little bit of composition uh, with the students. Are, are your students doing any of that kind of, uh, on top of it? Or is it is it specifically getting their playing tests recorded and assessed?
1: We are. We do have a music theory portion of our our band classes, and um, that's one of the things. I think you guys are paired. Are you paired with Aurelia now?
0: Yeah. So, um, um Music First uh, owns Aurelia and musicians, so we okay. we we can integrate those, and we we've also uh, found and kind of an innovative way to to throw MusicTheory.net assignments in there. So. If you yes. don't know how to do that, the next time I come out and see, and, and see you, I'll, I'll show you. It, it,
1: yes, please do, because we do use musictheory.net right now for all five of our band classes. And last year, I, I was able to play around a little bit with Aurelia and Musician with my AP Music Theory class um, and use that for them. And, and that's one of the things that I do wanna to talk to you about is, because I know that you have another version of that, maybe not the, the complete Aurelia, right yeah
0: yeah 100%. i mean i i can get into that right now for everyone's information there there we have so aurelia and musician the full cloud version is 29 dollars per student when you when you consider 300 students there goes you know there goes the neighborhood so yeah. we have a, a much more watered down version called aurelia first and musician first when you buy together it's like three dollars a kid and the advantage to it is that um, when you use MusicTheory.net, and, and um, we have a uh, we have a tutorial on how to integrate MusicTheory.net assignments. It's actually very very simple. Um, the problem with MusicTheory.net, and I'm sure you've realized, this, Kelly, is how do the kids hand in their grades? Either they're doing a screenshot uh, and, and showing it to you, or you know, that you, or it's a pure supplement. The kids are going in there, and it's an honor system of, yeah, I did my test, and I got this much. Or they're doing that crazy copying that huge uh, code, handing that into, yeah, via email, it makes you kind of give up the will to live, I'm sure, with that many kids. Um, But there is a way with the musictheory.net assignments for the kids to copy a link instead of the code. Um, And then what happens is when the kids submit their musictheory.net assignments, it actually submits that link right to your gradebook. So in the gradebook you click on the little paperclip like you would for a practice first or sight reading and it takes you directly to the score.
1: Oh nice. Um,
0: yeah, so I'll make sure I show you how to do that. But um what what a rallyum musician first do is that they auto score it and populate your gradebook. So it takes one or two extra steps away. Yeah. When when you have that many kids it's totally worth it when you oh,
1: absolutely. The, the
0: cumulative time you spend uh, you know checking assignments must be extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so um and but no composition type things with your students right
1: not that's that with the greater population no with yeah. ap music theory yes
0: yeah so your ap theory yeah that that's that sounds about i can't even imagine trying to give an assignment to 3 400 students let alone grading a, a composition assignment yeah that's uh that's absolutely wild um and so, uh, just to the other parts of your music program for a minute, are the choral people and orchestral people using it at all, or is it just music first in, in the band program there?
1: I'm not sure. I've, I believe that the orchestral program last year was going to look into it. I don't mm-hmm. know if they signed up or not. To be honest with you. All right,
0: we'll we'll give them a, we'll give <laughs> them a shout then.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so um, you've you've been fantastic uh, answering all these questions, Kelly. And I'm sorry, this is like a this you know. Uh, rapid fire type thing, but I'm excited to talk to you. Um, So the next question that we have on the list is is advice. Um, And so I ask every guest, um, you know, you, I I love the fact that you said we went kicking and screaming into it because to me, that's real world. You know, I don't, I love hearing that we were resistant to it and then we used it and that, yeah, it fulfills a specific need for us. What advice would you give to other music teachers who are thinking of incorporating, not, not music first specifically, but music technology in general into their programs?
1: Uh, well, for me, it really is music first specifically, actually, because we have resisted other technology and um, it is more work. It It is. And, and as we go on in the questions, I do have some magic wand wishes. Great. It is it's worth it and that that's really what it was is that we had to be like okay we're going to have to dedicate this time and it's not a lot of time you know creating the assignments and grading the assignments but we're going to have to do it because our students are benefiting from it and the most that i've seen is the sight reading that just doing sight reading factory and giving them assignments and i love the disappearing measures i do that to them all the time and they hate it
0: do you Um, do the disappearing on the downbeat or after it's complete
1: No, on the downbeat. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, Yes, I make them read ahead. I love it. Um, I'm evil that way. But um, it's just, it's really shown up in sight reading when we are, you know, learning a new piece that whereas before they would have been, I I don't know if they would have been afraid, you know, to make a mistake. Now they're, they're willing to just play. It may not be perfectly accurate, but they're willing to play when they see something in front of them rather than being nervous about, you know, something wrong in front of their peers and so I've noticed that confidence come from all of our students from top to bottom just from that sight reading factory
0: yeah I mean it's funny funny that you mentioned sight reading factories specifically because I remember when I was a band director and I was getting my kids ready for a county or a region audition I taught middle school my whole career so it was never kind of an all-state thing it was sight reading was literally the last thing I got them ready for because I was so nervous that my colleagues would hear them playing the repertoire perfectly, and the scales perfectly. The third aspect of the audition was the sight reading. So, I would always say to myself as a band director, "What's the most important thing?" Well, I have to make sure these kids have nailed the re- you know the assigned repertoire, that they that they nail the scales, and that you know what at the very end, and this maybe is indicative that I wasn't the greatest middle school band director which I'm happy to admit is that the sight reading is actually messy to do without sight reading factory you either have to buy a book uh, of, of sight reading activities and then after a while they're not it's not sight reading anymore they're practicing it yep. um, you know you know what I'm saying so or okay. you, have to, you have to go over to your band library during the precious time that you have with them and pull out an arrangement or have the forethought to have that arrangement on their stands before they get in and then just cross your fingers that you're going to get all those parts back. Um, So I would always shirk the sight reading aspect of it until right before they went for the auditions. And I'd say, Oh, and just reviewing, remember how to count, remember. (laughs) And the kids would always, and I think every band director and choir director and orchestra director listening to the podcast knows that the difference between your kid getting into the select ensemble and not getting the, into the select ensemble is almost always the sight reading score absolutely yeah it's um it's such an important skill and i think sight reading factory does a great job why don't you because some people might not know um kelly what that disappearing measure thing is can you describe it for our listeners what that does
1: well it, it just forces the student to read ahead if they're looking at the note they're playing then they're they're not going to succeed and so. It takes that, that option away. The measure is gone before it starts. So when they're getting the count off, they have to be looking at the first measure. And then on the downbeat, that measure is gone. And their eyes should really be looking at the second measure. And it, you know, for us, I started out very basic, very easy, very level one rhythms four measures at a time, slow tempo, so that they're successful right away. Yep. And then I just start making it a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And they don't know any different. They've just, you know, it. that's one of the benefits of it, too, is that you have unlimited sight reading examples at any level. And you can keep adding it to them. And for us, with our, you know, five different levels of bands, they're not all sight reading at the same level. And that's OK and we're meeting them where they are and then taking them from where they are and getting them further.
0: Yeah, and, and absolutely reading a measure, ahead, a measure ahead is the only way to sight read accurately because, and you're kind of playing from your, your kind of temporary memory uh, while you're playing, but always looking ahead so that you're, you're not surprised by, oh my goodness, look at this cluster of 16th notes. Uh, you know, you give yourself that little extra second or two of preparation. Well, and it's
1: how, it's how they read. It's how you read words. It's how you read books. You don't look at the word that you're saying or that you're reading. And so they can do it. They've been doing it their whole lives if they can read. And so it's the same thing. It's just putting it in music.
0: Yeah, that's a fascinating way to look at it. That's right. I never thought of that. You, you, that's not, you're right. That's, you, you read a couple of words ahead all the time. Oh, that's fantastic! I love it. So, for those of you who have never tried doing the disappearing measures uh, in the customizing the ac- uh, exercises, or when you're about to assign something, you can click disappearing measures before or uh, I think after. Um, they're both excellent. So try it out with your kids. That's great. Um, so, you know, let me ask you this, and and before we get to the magic wand question, I've got I've got this question. Um, where, where I am, I have two teenage daughters and whenever I go around speaking to music teachers, I'm, I'm talking about the phone, uh, and the fact that kids are constantly, it's almost like, and adults too, by the way, myself included, the addiction to, uh, that that I see kids to their phones is extraordinary. And I would imagine the same holds true in Tulsa, right? So every, the kids are completely obsessed with their phones.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's killing them
0: it's it's awful i mean I, I in fact i think it's just one of the saddest things in the, in the world um especially as a parent i you know it's trying to fight for the attention of my kids because the phone is just so addictive um and so uh you know i would imagine that the, that a, a bunch of your kids or at least a fair proportion of them are using or doing their assignments on their phones is that right
1: they are um our students we're all one to one with chromebooks
0: oh ah, okay so that's-
1: That's one of the reasons that we're able to do this and require it is because everybody does have a Chromebook. Ah, there you go. They can all do their assignments on that. But some of the students like to do it on their phones just for convenience because they always have their phone with them. Others have found that the microphone on their phone is better than the microphone on the Chromebook. So they can get a better sound quality.
0: Oh, interesting. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, uh, I, I say this at every conference presentation I do. I I fight every day so that my subject, music, is on that darn phone and not yeah. and, and not Snapchat or whatever else they're doing. I want the kids to be making music or, or creating music, performing music on the phone.
1: Yeah. Or doing their music theory assignments there you or go. whatever. Yeah.
0: Perfect. All right. So uh, we'll get to the magic wand question now. And I, I'm sure that you ha- you've got some ideas uh, and I ask it to everybody. If you could wave a magic wand and have music first do something that it doesn't currently do, what, what would it do? What would it be?
1: Okay. I have two things. All right. One is, and I understand why, but the sight reading factory, if it could grade it, if it could grade sight reading factory, and I understand that, you know, it grades the, yeah. You know, because the other system that we don't talk about just grades the start of each note. I would That's be fine with that if Sight Reading Factory just graded at that level.
0: So what people do, Kelly, and I'm not going to get into it here because some of the, uh, for, for obvious reasons, but I will explain one thing is that what a lot of people do is they take the uh, the Sight Reading Factory exercises that they read. I know this is like five clicks too many, but I'll just, I'm, I'm not defending it because Everyone asks us for that, and I would love more than anything for Sight Reading Factory to auto-grade. It would be amazing. But what some people, first of all, there's a ton of sight reading activities in Practice First, but it's not the same. It's not the same as Sight Reading Factory. What some teachers do is they find sight reading activities that they really like, they save them as a PDF, they go to MuseScore, they open it, that PDF as a MuseScore file, and then open it in Practice First. Way too many steps. (laughs) <laughs> um, but there's actually legal reasons why we cannot have Site Reading Factory assess automatically, which I won't go into here. But I hear you loud and clear. And I hope if uh, Don and Adam from Site Reading Factory are listening uh, that, that 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 they hear that, too. So, yeah, very, very good point, And I totally agree. It would be amazing. And So what's the other one?
1: The other one is and I know that there's there is a way, but it, we have not been successful with it. Is getting the gradebook from from Music First to talk to our gradebook here at school, because right now we are hand inputting every grade from Music First into our school grade, and it takes forever.
0: Right. So what I know school? There's
1: a way that you can import, and we tried that, and it wasn't very successful.
0: Okay. So... What what um, gradebook are you using uh, at, at um, not not Music First, but what's the other grading program?
1: We're using Canvas.
0: Oh, so Canvas is your grade book. Yeah. So um, you know, there's two ways to do it. Uh the 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 import-export or the export-import way, uh, which is certainly a little bit clunky, I'll be I'll I'll admit it. Um, or it's what a lot of directors end up doing, which I think is what you're saying, is you split the screen basically and you have the Canvas grade book on one half and ours on the other. Yep. The reality, and by the way, totally agreed. Fair point. You're right. It would be amazing. The problem is that all of these learning management systems like Canvas and like eSchool Backpack and Infinite Campus, PowerSchool, you name it, they're all built the same way that we're built. uh, And that is that we are what is known. I'm going to get really nerdy on you, Kelly. It's called an LTI consumer which means that we are meant to have vendor products plug into us. We're meant to have software plug into us. So is Canvas. So is Google Classroom. They're all kind of built that same way. And so you can't have two two learning management systems plug into each other. I will tell you, that's why you can't shift the, you know, you just can't say share gradebook in Canvas, which we would love more than anything, believe me. Um, I have been speaking with a couple of uber geeks to try to find a bridge to make it work. Um, So it's definitely something we're investigating, but I certainly cannot promise because it requires basically every other learning management system to agree to kind of how uh, music keyboards agreed on MIDI back in the 80s. Uh, Learning management systems will have to agree to some kind of, you know, middle ground like a UN of grade books. Yeah. Uh, that they can all uh, import export, but I hear you loud and clear, and and I wish there was a quick, easy answer uh, for you on that one. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, that that is the frustrating part. You know, when you give these kids all these assignments, and then going and grading the site reading, and then having to you know, and if you're doing a recorded assignment, you have to grade that as well. Yeah. And then taking those grades and lining them up and doing all that other stuff. But well, what that's, I'll do, what I'll have, where we went kicking and screaming. Streaming.
0: Yeah, I and I hear you, and it's a very valid point, and and uh, we're definitely you know we're here to help try to make it a little better, but we cannot at the moment just go transfer all grades over. It just Canvas won't let us, or or and and you know and vice versa. By the way, if somebody said we'd like Canvas gradebooks to just come into Music First, it's it, technically at the moment it isn't possible. But what I will do is say that uh, Juliana Mateco, who I'm sure you've spoken with in, in the past. Is our director's support and training. I will have her do a deep dive with you on the gradebook. Uh, I'll make sure she gets in touch with you to see if we can um, streamline it a little bit more than than it is right now. That'd be great. Well, Kelly, it's uh, it was really a pleasure uh, to speak with you. I hope to make it out to Tulsa um, uh, in early 2020, and I'll and I'll definitely be in touch. Um, to, uh, to, we would love to come back and visit uh, and see and see all the great things that are going on there. Um, so, uh, what, what, uh, before we leave, what, what big events do you have between now and the end of the, I mean, is the football season over for you or, or the competitive season over, or do you have anything else before Christmas?
1: We just started the playoffs. So we have a home playoff game this Friday and our football team won state last year. So we're hoping they'll go all the way again this year. So first game is Friday.
0: Awesome. I, I, I'll, I will never forget in my whole life walking onto your campus and seeing a gigantic, College-style football stadium, and I turned and I said, "What is that?" And Jason Panucci, who's who's your uh, rep, said, "That's their football stadium." (laughs) Oh my God! Extraordinary, beautiful facility. Obviously, an amazing program, an amazing tradition you've built there, Kelly. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, Send my best regards on to all the other directors, including Darren, and uh, I wish you all the best at, uh, at the states coming up.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.